Travolting presents The Fraser's Edge. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. With special guests, Adam Campbell and Taylor Hentro. Stuart, we've covered two Mummy movies already. Yeah, Jeff, same Mummy, twice. Yep, that's right, folks. Welcome to our episode on the third Mummy movie. Third Mummy with a different Mummy this time, yes. not Emotep. Although Emotep just make an appearance in this movie. In but a not, sense. But not Arnold Vosloo. Uh, yeah, this movie... If you want to know what, what that appearance is, stay tuned and don't drop out of the episode after the first minute. Hey, hey. analytics. Analytics. <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> welcome to The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, otherwise known as The Mummy 3. Yes. Joining- you, know what, you know what I like, Jeff? What? At least Indiana Jones... They start off. Raiders is like in the '30s, um, World War II era. Yes, no. Th- Raiders is like '35. Yes, it's it's pre-America joining the war, but it's still Nazis. No, World War II hasn't started yet. It's it's but pre- Nazi. Yeah. It's during Nazi during the Nazis, right? Yeah, and then and then and then Temple of Doom is a prequel. Yes, and then Last Crusade is World War II. Yes, and then. Uh, Indiana Jones Kingdom of Crystal Skull 50s with references to Harrison Ford fighting in World War II yes this movie takes place in 1946 they don't talk about the Nazis they don't even talk about World War II they do talk about World War II they they say one line they say the the British government or whatever thanks you for your services during the war. And that's like the only mention of it. Yeah, that they were spies in World War II. Yeah, they, yeah. Espionage shit. Yeah. Which, no, nah, I won't get into it. Hi, Adam. Hi, Taylor. Hello. New mummy, new rules. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting this, we're getting this episode started off. So this is our, uh, Third time covering a mummy movie. Third time covering the mummy movies. You guys are appearing on our Fraser episodes for the first time. Adam, this is not your first time. Adam was on George of the Jungle. Oh, you you were on George of the Jungle. Um, you're also on other Travolta movies. Taylor, this is your official first time on the Fraser's Edge. You will also glad to, glad to start strong with such interesting movies. Yeah, <laughs> we're also gonna have you back for another movie later that we'll record down the road called Furry Vengeance. Yes. Um, which I I've only heard good things about that movie, and I think it's going to be a, a masterpiece. I'm really much looking forward to that one. I hear it's a real career killer. It- <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Uh, so yes, we we are covering the 2008 film Mummy Tomb the Dragon Emperor, and Jeff. Yes. <laughs> this would be the worst episode of all time to be like, no, there's not much context. There's a heap of context with this movie, isn't yes. there? Yes, there is, in fact, so much context about this movie that it could be its own episode. Uh, essentially, I mean, don't, don't don't hype me up that much. But. Yeah, I've not been here for eight and a half hours. What? <laughs> so we'll first talk about where we're checking in with Brendan. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost, thank you for listening to our episode last week on Journey to the Center of the Earth. We hope you enjoyed that. Um. So where we're checking in on Brendan right now is that he's had his first, like, kind of win in a while with Journey to the Center of the Earth. Yeah. Because since our last uh, check-in with Rick O'Connell, it hasn't been going so great for him. Mm-mm. Um, Looney Tunes flopped. Um, 
uh, Crash, you know, was a success, but he wasn't the big part of it. Just a cameo in Dickie Roberts, and then your movies like Journey to the End of Night, Last Time, and The Air I Breathe. Those are all of his attempts to break yeah. out of the family. They're like he's trying out indies and dramas, and nobody sees any of them. Yeah. Um, they make no impact. He gets no notes for them. Mm-hmm. They're basically just big whiffs. Yeah. And so his career, you know, after Journey to the Center of the Earth kind of was a, a moderate success. He still kind of got some juice to him. I would say we're not quite at the doldrums yet. Yeah. We're at the Rocky. Yeah, this he, is when he, I think he, he he's expiring more or less the last of the juice on this movie. Yeah. Because next movie we're going to talk about is Inkheart, where I think he's a bad fit for the movie, and it doesn't go anywhere. And he's asleep at the wheel. He's asleep at the wheel. And um, Fairly Odd Parents with Shology. Yeah, Fairly Odd Parents with Shology, which we, we'll, we'll talk about when we get to it. <laughs> yeah. He's in that? He is in that. I love that. He's a turbo thunder. In in oh, um in the Fairly Opera's Wishology, he plays like the chosen one hero. Have you seen it already? I haven't watched who's it. Who's too late to the party? Oh. Um, he's too late, and he kind of gets um laughed at by everyone for thinking that he could be the hero. Jeff, you watch these movies way too yeah. far in advance. I watch these movies like a day before we record. I I've just seen Wishology from when I was a kid. Oh, okay. Um. So, yes, um, that's where we're at with Brendan is he's just had a, a mild win, but he still doesn't really have many options in terms of in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. No one really wants to hire him to anchor their next major franchise. Um, and nobody wants to put him in a drama because he's unproven. And so he goes back to where is comfortable and safe. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad move on his end. Um, the mummy, you know, the first two mummy movies were fairly well liked. They were pretty successful. And so the opportunity to go back to that character is probably appealing to him. But where we check in with the movie itself is interesting. Mm-hmm. So Stephen Summers directs the first mummy, directs the mummy returns as well. Mm-hmm. After that, he goes on, he makes Van Helsing and gets punished for it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> gets arrested. Um, Van during the press tour for Van Helsing, he very much is skeptical about doing a third Mummy movie. He says he doesn't really have the energy for it. Seems like he's kind of checked out of that world. Um, he's Van Helsing kind of seems like what the energy the third Mummy movie yeah. would have had if he if he actually did that. He, that kind of took the place for that. I feel. And then he goes on from Van Helsing and he makes GI Joe: Rise of Cobra, um, a movie we're going to cover. Uh, which comes out just a year after this, right? Yeah, it's a, we're covering it um, in a few weeks. Yeah. But Summers is very, you know, iffy about doing a third mummy. He yeah. says it should happen, but he doesn't want to be the one to direct it. He feels like he set his piece with them, the first two mummies. A smart move on Summers' part, almost like a lesson another actor should have yeah. understood. Um, and so he maintains a producer role. Um, of the overall Mummy franchise. He still actually produces the Scorpion King sequels and probably makes a lot of money from it. Just executive produce, but... Yeah. And so he um, he reviews a script by two Universal um, hires, Alfred Goh and Mark... Uh, is it Mark Miller? Miles Miller. Um, who were hired to kind of do a, a spec script for the third Mummy. Like, what would that look like? Uh, these are guys who were uh, story writers for Spider-Man 2. They wrote Herbie Fully Loaded. So there's just kind of, you know, company guys. You hire them, they come in, they write you a script, and then you go from there with uh, more professional writers. They just get all the legwork like, done. 
And so they they come up with a Tomb of the Dragon Emperor script, which is at the time called Curse of the Dragon. And it is the first idea, like, inkling about, we set a mummy movie in China. We Mm -hmm. deal with, you know, Chinese mummies. Um, And it has most of the similar plot to this movie. It's, or at least the skeletal structure of it. It's not until more writers come along that things start, you know, taking shape of the movie that we see nowadays. Um, their their original script has a lot more in common with the first two mummy movies. Um, it actually involves Hominoptera a little bit. The hmm. idea being that originally, they're like, well, should we introduce another like spirituality? Or should it be that they went to Hominoptera, got the Book of the Dead, and brought it to China? Mm. Which I think is kind of convoluted. Yeah. And I'm glad that they cut that element out. Yeah. I I was watching this with my girlfriend last night, yeah. and we, we, we initially thought that going to China is... Uh, that's unique. It, yeah. I won't say it's, like, good or bad, but it's at least, like, it's something. It's, a, it's at least a take. It's a take, and it's a culture that has similar you know, traditional religious-like um, ideations about the dead and how they're buried and mm. how they're treated and what in their afterlife and stuff. And so I, th- I thought, you know, it's like, okay, like, just on paper, that sounds that kind of interesting. Like, okay, we're going to do a- another mummy movie, but this time it's not going to be Egypt. It's going to be uh, China. So, and I, I just read something in, like, the, the trivia that – there was a version of the script where they were going to bring back Emotep again, <laughs> but this time it was going to be like, they were going to bring back Emotep to be an ally. Yeah. To, to fight, fight another mummy, to fight, uh, to fight the dragon emperor. That would have been very fun. But Arnold Vosloo hated the script and didn't want to do it since Steven Summers wasn't there. Yeah. And, but, and it's interesting it's, that Arnold Vosloo does go to be in GI Joe in a bigger role than Fraser. Yes. Um, Not to say Arnold Vazu takes off after G.I. Joe, <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but but it is something to be said that, you know, like Arnold Vazlu's in that Zartan role and not Fraser. Yes. Um, and Fraser gets like one scene in that movie. Yeah. It's a little interesting. Yeah. So, you know, that original script has the basic skeletal structure of this movie. It was also set during World War II, mm. um, which is what you were saying. It was set in 1940. Um, they push the movie setting a few years in the future because they want the kid to be older. Right. In that yeah. iteration, Alex is still like kind of a teenager. Yeah. Um, no, I think he's actually um, like freshman year at college. Yeah. Well, this movie updates him a little more to like mid 20s, I think. Yeah. Uh, but that movie would have started with uh, Rick and Evie as spies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they would have eventually, you know, gone in and brought in this mummy plot line. Yeah. This movie kind of convolutes things a little more. It takes away the convolution of all the Hominoptera stuff, but it comes up with a really sweaty explanation for how they get involved in this. Yes, it does. Um, the uh, There would have been, you know, a lot more World War II stuff because China would have been under attack by the Japanese at the time. It's maybe good that this uh, very kind of glib mummy movie doesn't try and deal with uh, the rape of Nanjing or anything of the sort. Right, yeah. I mean... I don't know. Like, 
it, it I, I, I said that, like, you know, with the Indiana Jones thing, you yeah. know, it's it's interesting to think about. I mean, like, they've been trying to, like, correlate the mummy with Indiana Jones, like, for a while. Mm-hmm. And it almost seems like kind of a waste of, like, oh, yeah, like, the Nazis or the Japanese Empire wants to raise this undead army because they're losing the war, you mm-hmm. know? Kind of like similar, like, the yeah. Nazis are trying to find the Holy Grail, the Ark of the Covenant, to help their side of the war or whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That seems like an in, a clear-cut Indiana Jones reference that they m- well, miss out. Another miss advantage on. that, or not an advantage, a reason that this movie kind of gets uh, speed, like, put into speedy production is because they announced Indiana Jones 4 is coming out summer of 2008. Right. right. And there's heavy expectations that that's going to, you know, reignite an interest in this style of movie. Mm-hmm. And they want the Mummy three to be the first follow up to that, and hopefully catch over some goodwill from Indiana Jones four. Yeah, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Right, right. Um, so, say what you want to say about that one, but it's excellent compared to Mummy three. Yes, Crystal <laughs> Skull is a real movie um, that has clear directorial choices in it. Um, there are actually some really good sections of that movie. Stewart's face. I am kind of a Crystal Skull defender. I think the first, aliens are cool. I think the first forty minutes of that movie are borderline excellent. I think the middle forty is a bit soggy, and I think the ending is fun. That's I my, think Jeff is right. That's my take I, on Crystal. Skull. I'm not going to say Jeff is right. Crystal Skull is worse than uh, Mummy Three. I'm not going to say that. I don't think it's like. I don't think this movie makes Crystal Skull like a masterpiece. No, Crystal Skull is a masterpiece because it is one. Um, <laughs> it, just it doesn't need this for the comparison. Not even close, uh, but okay. I, I think what's interesting about the Mummy and well, Mummy Three and Indiana Jones is uh, both both series have a, a chase sequence in Shanghai, the streets of Shanghai, at the same exact time period, and one is just immensely better because of the director's choices in that yeah. matter. I think the director of mummy three, um, Rob Cohen, is that his yeah. name? Rob I Cohen. think, I think, I don't know who the heck this fella is. I, but I will tell you that Rob Cohen is, a- is hired to direct this movie after summer says he won't do it. Um, Rob Cohen is known for directing the first fast and furious movie. Okay. Which is also his best movie. Um, yeah. Well, the first Fast and Furious is basically just like kind of a, a point break ripoff, and it's mostly serviceable. It's enjoyable to watch. And then Rob Cohen basically never makes another good movie again. Yeah. Um, he made Triple X, uh, the Ice Cube one. Uh, triple, the, the first State of the Union. Yes. The thing yes. about Triple X is that it doesn't get good until the third one. <laughs> no, he didn't make that one. Never mind. I apologize. I think he made the first Triple X. Uh, okay. Triple X three, the return of Xander Cage is the really wild one. That one's actually good. Yeah. Is that the one where they uh, Photoshop out his double chin in the posters? Yes. That's nice. also the one where it's him and Donnie Yen like skateboarding together. <laughs> it's good. It's nice. Um, but a quick quickly, there will be a lot more Indiana Jones talk as this episode goes on because I think there's a lot of interesting parallels between this and Crystal Skull. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also is kind of kind of build into the fact that we're coming up on a Harrison Ford Brennan Fraser collaboration yeah and I want to build up to that but um 
this Rob Cohen gets hired to direct this movie. Uh, he did the first Fast and Furious. That's his biggest thing at the time. Um, and they start negotiating with the returning cast members. Universal does. Oh boy! Offers are go. made to Brendan Fraser, Rachel Weisz, and John Hanna to come back for this movie. The decision's made. They're going to recast Alex uh, because the kid's only like twelve at the time, or like he probably aged to be like fourteen or fifteen. Yeah. Um, since Mommy Returns, uh, but they start negotiating with those three. Fraser, um, a deal's made. Uh, Hannah agrees because, like, what else is he doing? <laughs> um, Rachel Vice does not. <sighs> she cites that she has problems with the script and that she had just had a child and didn't deem the script good enough to essentially abandon her newborn for a few months. The first toll of the bells. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for this movie. So Rachel Vice says she's not going to be in this movie. They cast Maria Bello to replace her. Um, if you ask me, she's a completely different person. Yeah. And they cast Luke Ford as the adult Alex. Oh, my God! <laughs> Fuck uh, Luke Ford! I'm sorry. What's uh, a Luke Ford? <laughs> what is a Luke Ford? Um, it's an unfortunate thing you have to, you have to look at. My pen died. Um, it's an STD. <laughs> Luke, uh, Luke Ford is an STD. It might as well be. What else has Luke Ford been up to? Nothing. 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 This is his last movie. Uh, he's done other movies, but nothing of note. Right. This is his last notable film yeah. he's ever done. And for good reason. He yes. is garbage in he's this movie. He's so bad in this movie. He is so terrible in this movie. And the it's so sinful because the movie relies on him a lot. Yes. So the... An inherent core problem that this movie has. Do you know it, who's like a marketable like mid like mid to late twenties? Poss- he's probably early thirties at this time, but could pass off from mid twenties. Yeah. He'd be a great uh, Alex Alex O'Connell, Who? Justin Timberlake, Hayden Christensen. Yes, yes. Get get post Revenge of the Sith. Hayden Christensen. He ain't doing much. Get him as so unfortunate. Hey, he was in Jumper, man. He was in Jumper. <laughs> Underrated Taylor movie. Taylor loves Jumper. Taylor pro movie. Jumper. Pro Jumper. Underrated movie. Great, great world building. Great world I building. I think it's an overrated movie. Continue. Nobody likes it. Hey, my best friend is in that movie. Layoff. Nice. Who? Uh-huh. Hayden. Well, one of my best friends in that movie. Layoff. Um, so, I think the, the here's the core problem. I only this say movie. this because the movie relies on his character so much. And you could tell that I bet you that that when they started shooting, like there was sort of a direction of the script that was going to be much more hand off to the younger generation as it mm-hmm. was, and then it kind of turns away from that a little bit. Like it's this movie. I feel like this movie had like the idea of like this is going to be like a Rick O'Connell firmly and officially hands the mantle down to Alex O'Connell. Okay. Okay. And then it, and then you realize Luke Ford's a garbage piece of garbage ass actor. So here's the thing about the mummy tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Brendan Fraser is 39 years old when this movie comes out. Yes. He is 38 years old when this movie is made. Yes. 38. Yes. How old is Luke Ford when this movie comes out? He's 33. He's 33 when this movie. I don't actually know that. I was a complete oh guess. That was a complete guess. Okay. No, I'm But checking. he looks I am He looks early 30s. He is 27. When this movie comes, yes. okay. 
That is a like eleven year age difference. What now, year? What year was he born? What year? What year was he born? I'm like eighty one. Same year as Hayden Christensen. Yeah. Oh. I like how you know that. Boy. Oh boy. So. And yes, I know that Sean Connor and Harrison Ford were only like six years apart or whatever when they did Last Crusade, but Sean Connor was at least in his like sixties or fifties. Yeah. He looked older. This movie doesn't work in the central conceit, which is Fraser is getting older and his son is going to take over the mantle. The exact same conceit that Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade does. But you know why it kind of works in that movie? Why? First and foremost, because Harrison Ford's 66 when they make the fucking movie. Almost double the age of Fraser. The but second it doesn't reason- work in that movie because... Because when the movie tries to rely on Shia LaBeouf, it it's falls good. flat. It's good. It falls flat. It's pretty good. Um, <laughs> no, it doesn't. Shia LaBeouf does not give anything to the movie. Uh, what about Luke? You're Ford? right. The, Shia LaBeouf doesn't give anything to the movie. The movie gives a lot to Shia LaBeouf, and he excels at it. Um, no, not at all. Um, Shia LaBeouf is a genius. Leave him alone. It, Shia LaBeouf in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Thumb, thumb up. The, I agree, the monkey swinging scene, I dislike. But the rest of the Shia LaBeouf stuff is good in that movie. All the father-son stuff is great in that movie. All the stuff about Indy being old and sad and the movie being about him getting his mojo back, great. I'm a big Crystal Skull guy. Oh <laughs> okay, but Jeff. yeah, I was imagine, not going to go as hard into pro-Crystal imagine, Skull territory in this episode. Imagine, and then I learned Adam and Taylor have my back, and so I'm going full Crystal Skull. Ima- <laughs> all right, I'm stepping away from Crystal Skull cast. Imagine yes, when we cut to that first scene of Alex and revealing, digging in the depths of the tomb of the Dragon Emperor. You just hear, I don't like sand. Is hated Chris and said, I hate sand. I hate sand. <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. Like... Look, here's the thing. I'm not saying you're you're like you're right. He would have been better than Luke Ford, but I don't think anyone would have wanted him to be in this movie. People probably would have been very mad about that. Fuck them. Fuck them. I know. Em, I'm just em, saying that's em. the reason it didn't. Because happen. there's also hypocrites. People who are like you know fangirling over Hayden Christensen now just because he's coming back as he was he's back as Darth Vader in the Obi Wan Kenobi. Like no bitch, you made your bed lie in it. You said he's a piece of shit actor. You better like lay by it and. He's not a piece of shit actor. He's a great actor. He's a great actor. If anyone hasn't seen the movie Awake, they should watch Awake. Shattered Glass is a big one. Shattered Glass or Awake. What about Life as a House? I've never seen it, but that's supposedly like the one. Or an even better masterpiece that takes place in Egypt at times, Jumper. (laughs) Pretty good movie. A pretty good movie with Sam L. Jackson. Pro jumper content and Jimmy Bell. Anyway, <laughs> so um, another big problem with this movie is Maria Bello. I'm gonna go home and watch Jumper, who tonight. is so bad as Evie. <sighs> yeah, um, I don't necessarily. Is it her fault? Yes. Is it? Yes. Is it? it this should. I mean, yes. She's not Rachel Vice, obviously, because she's. Doing a Rachel Vice impression. She's doing a Rachel Vice impression. She's very open. Just the in way the press- that she says Bainbridge Scholars. Here's like, the thing. She's clearly trying to do a, a Rachel Vice impression. She's doing a Rachel Vice 
voice. Yes. But she's not doing, doing the Rachel, Rachel Vice performance. performance. I agree. She's like literally I, doing a, I agree. like an impression. No, I, impression. I 100% agree. I don't know, though. Like, I mean, yes, absolutely. It's for sure like, you know, she's missing the marks in some cases. But, like, do you remember the first Mummy movie when Rachel Vice was like solving all their problems and like the actual smart person of the crew? Where are those scenes in this movie? The, the thing I, think, this I think they just needed that type of character to exist. The same reason why they have her, the the funny brother character, Jonathan, come back for exactly. little to no reason. Exactly. There's no reason to have Evie and Jonathan in this movie. There's no reason to have... Okay, we're about to get to my core central problem of yeah. this movie. Well, the thing this movie does with Evie is that it just makes her like a badass action character. And, and which... Is like which, which is what we complained about in, in Mummy Two, but continue. Yeah, which you know just dis- kind of defeats the purpose of her character is that she's very much not that. She's badass and she's smart and she saves the day because of her knowledge and because she's a uh, well-read and there's all these like characteristics that make her the intelligent hero who is the one who saves the day both times in the first two while Fraser's just punching mummies. And so She's that's a what, secret that, hero. That's why I, I I can't necessarily put the full blame on um, what did you say, Maria? Maria Bello. Maria Bello. I don't think I can put the full blame on her. Only because I've seen Maria Bello in other movies, and she's not a terrible actress either. What else have you seen her in? Uh, have you seen Lights Out? Uh, no, but I've actually I have heard she's actually she's a, she's actually really good in Lights Out. She's the light switch in that. No, she. <laughs> she <laughs> that's good. That's good, Taylor. No, she's. Uh, <laughs> She's the mom whose like depressive psychotic episodes conjure the monster kind of. The oh. whole thing's a metaphor for her depression um creating like the the light switch monster in that movie. I think in Mummy 3 she could have very well have been uh Brendan's divorce new wife character. <laughs> yeah, this and, movie and, should have his his son is like really pissed off about it. And if you want to recast the son, you can have the same exact scene where he's lifting the mummy again. We can't have Hayden for whatever reason, but for whatever reason, a young Jake Lloyd finds the mummy goes, yippee. (laughs) (laughs) And the rest of the movie is Taylor writes itself. Have you seen the mummy returns? Yeah. So the, the kid who plays Alex in that movie, who's more annoying that kid or Jake Lloyd in Phantom Menace? Jake Lloyd is a, a cool little guy. He went to a nice uh, college known as Columbia College Chicago for a bit. And he dropped out and had his problems. But you know what? I like Jake Lloyd. I yeah. miss him. The kid in Mummy Returns is so much worse than Jake Lloyd. And Jake Lloyd deserves so much better. I disagree. I think Jake Lloyd is worse than that kid. Whoa, no, no fucking way. Oh, we talked about this. Jake one. Jake Lloyd we goes, and it. it's working. It's working. And the pod racer Yippee. takes off. What, what's what's a coruscant? Oh my god. Anyway, uh no, we're about we're getting to like my, my central gripe with the Mummy Three. Is that there is no reason to have an O'Connell in this movie. Yeah. There is no reason for any O'Connell to be in this movie whatsoever. Other than to like I don't I guess it's like the adventure of the O'Connells maybe but like literally you could have had this entire movie be grounded by and I don't know some people are probably going to hate this but 
I really think this movie could have been like totally grounded by Michelle Yeoh's character and um and Isabel Long. No, here's the thing. You just need a better reason for the O'Connells to get involved in this. And you can simply make it that they're mummy people now. Like they defeated the mummy twice. They just investigate tombs. So Tomb Raiders. Yeah, not even Tomb Raiders. Like they just hear that there's a. Mu- they're like, and they work for a museum. So I, I, I think the mummy, the the idea of taking this taking place in China is, uh, it's a good idea and it's fun. And the terracotta army is a fun thing. But at least in like Egyptian mummies, Imhotep was an Egyptian mummy. The the terracotta army is not they're not mummies they're 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 clay figures <laughs> yeah i know i know yeah. i know it doesn't really matter but terracotta figures but yeah but it, i don't know yeah the it, only it, mummy it in this me. movie is the emperor and that's kind of a stretch yeah because when you think about it, he do, he never he doesn't really die when you yeah. think about it in the in the whole pr- pr- prologue yeah that explains what happens him in the... they just trap him which this was another thing that really bought. I'm just gonna start spewing gripes that I have. Okay, I know we we haven't even Wait, gotten. Wait, here's the Festivus poll. The airing of grievances may begin. Okay, so remember how the whole reason that Emotep in the first two movies had powers because it wasn't that he was a supernatural priest with powers and like before his death. It was the fact that they initiated the ritual, the Hom die on him. Yes, Which as, is, as we all know, everyone knows about the Humdai. The they die. hated his ass so much <laughs> they that they hated... put a curse on him that he becomes really strong if he ever wakes up again. <laughs> a very funny curse. <laughs> but it does, it, it at least, like, it takes away a little bit of the mysticism that, like, oh, like he has powers because they put this, like, horrific ancient curse on him because they wanted him to die really badly. Like, you know when you want someone to die to, like, the third degree? Yeah. But then you want someone to die to the first degree. They wanted him to die to like the 11th degree. Like he, they wanted him to be so dead, so dead and so damned. So fucking dead. But to do that, they had to imbue him with special powers. So is that how you feel about Luke Ford? Stuart <laughs> <laughs> commits the hum die on Luke I Ford. would commit the hum die on Luke. I would cut out his tongue, put him in a sarcophagus and bury him with uh, those locust creatures. But anyway... So this dragon emperor, do you guys realize he's he's the avatar of all five elements before he even dies? He learns the way of the five five elements. Yeah, it's really annoying when they're like the five elements: earth or fire, fire, water, water air. No, they say earth, then wood, wood and metal. metal. I'm like, what about the air? Fed? Isn't earth, isn't earth and metal the same thing? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. What about the air? Earth, wind, and fire. Yeah, do you remember the I I kind of zoned out. Me and Adam kind of zoned out this. Yeah, whole well, we movie. watched it with um, Taylor and I watched it with our roommate Michael and my girlfriend Emily. And Emily played um, Stardew Valley on her Switch. Are you guys still movie. together after this? <laughs> yes. No, they're not. Um, Taylor unfortunately did not have Rachel here. He kicked Rachel out to record this podcast. <laughs> oh no! Damn. I saw her packing her bags and leaving the house. Sadly, <laughs> I Taylor knew, said I, have I knew to talk. I knew I was going to get into some heavy, heavy conversations talking about Mummy Three. So I didn't want her to hear it. 
you don't want ever, ever to have to hear that shit. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I just remember zoning out for most of this movie because I, I saw this in theaters again and I thought it was really bad for a multitude of reasons. But I like kind of pinpointing it immediately. The movie immediately is pretty bad because yes. I think the opening of The Mummy, the 1999, is excellent. I think it's so really exciting. fun. So good. so good. It's exciting. It like gets you hyped up. Even like the title drop is excellent. The Mummy 3, it's just, it's one of the most generic things you could ever watch of an, a ye old emperor being a dickhead. And yeah, he just has powers. Yeah, he, I, I I know it's not as I know it's not like a far fetched idea for characters to have powers in this mummy universe, but maybe not humanoid people. Yeah, not humans. I think an ancient magical curse post death makes more sense than someone currently living with some sort of power. I think some sort and of they weird bring him back, and then he yeah, gets shape shifting powers because why? Uh, th- that's like a that's like a old chinese myth though of someone becomes the dragon or I, I, that's that's a common thing i feel with uh mythology but is it imbued from his resurrection is it imbued from before he was even cursed is it imbued when he steps into the pool of life like these are the questions that i have <laughs> of like well, when did he get that ability <laughs> he unites all the chinese kingdoms according to wikipedia and that makes him the dragon emperor and i guess because he was able to do that he, uh, they formed a he has magical ritual, powers and it gave him power I, I don't fucking know I don't know if at any point in this movie they say the dragon emperor I think they just they only ever call him the emperor and you also remember how Emotep's entire motivation in the first movie was a Romeo Juliet story yeah. his motivation is he wants to take over the world again that's this guy's this is this guy's deal he wants he wants Alibaba to buy up land in Spain and the United States. Um, I, I think what was I think what's really interesting, yeah, is that again, the plot of this movie is for this like ancient figure to come back to life to like rule the world, I guess. And the Mummy Returns, it's an army of uh, Anubis men, but they get killed by swords. What happens if they make it to modern day Giza? They would be shot to death. <laughs> <laughs> it just same same thing with the yeah the terracotta guys. They would make it to any city, and they would be destroyed. I mean, okay, maybe not, maybe not in uh, Taylor. They become whatever this is in the forties China. I, I, but, I also remember that there is like Chinese villains that want to help, just like in the Mummy, the yeah, one and two. There's another death cult that follows this mummy. It's like a paramilitary wasn't... group, right? How does that exist in like? What is this again? Like post World War II, nineteen forty six. They're in complete shambles at this point. I don't know how there's anybody willing to. Well, that's how a paramilitary group exists. I guess. They don't have a solid government. Yeah, the, I guess the idea I could ascertain. Uh, I'll, let me quickly just finish up the the prologue business. Is that the the emperor? He is fearful that he's going to die. Um, so he sends his most trusted general, General Ming, to go to Shangri-La to find a witch who he brings back to Beijing. Um, and he he's like, curse me to live forever, like bless me to live forever. And she casts a spell on him. And then he finds out that she and General Ming have been sleeping together. So he kills General Ming and then has her orders her death. But then he melts and turns into a terracotta statue. 
And so uh, does his entire, so his entire army. army. And she runs off back to Shangri-La. And she's played by Michelle Yeoh. It's so sweaty. It's such like a convoluted storyline. to like. That's why I wanted to read it out in full. Because it's so convoluted. It is. The mummy and is... it's also like eerily similar to the first movie's but opening plot. With it's the even got guy. the whole no man is allowed to touch her bit. Yeah. But the first mummy, it's so straightforward. It's like the emperor has a wife who no man's allowed to touch. Emotep touches her. He kills the emperor. He go. She kills herself. He goes to try and bring her back, and he's captured and cursed. It's it's like um, a it's like a pretty straightforward story and stuff. The emperor with power over all five elements rules China, and he wants to live forever. So he sends a general to go find a witch, and they turn into star-crossed lovers. It's very it's very strange. Again, I think they could have gone down like a like an interesting mythological route with this because if it's going to take place in like ancient china i think this is like technically before the three kingdoms but that is already like a pretty mythological fantastical period of uh quote-unquote written history and i think it like there's so many there's like realistic portrayals of characters and people and some people are real but for the most part there's like crazy fantastical fun stuff in it and I don't think this try is hard enough. Yeah, or maybe uh, actually, maybe it tries, it tries a little too, too hard. hard. Yes, it 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 it's too grandiose, or I don't want to say grandiose. It's too convoluted and complicated. The history is grandiose on its own. There's no reason for this movie to there's, try to be reaching. There's no need for embellishment. Harder. Yeah, exactly. Well, there were ancient uh, mummies in the land of China um, yes. in Tibet. Um, ancient Buddhist monks um, would starve themselves to death and effectively mummify themselves. Their bodies would be preserved because there was no bacteria in them to uh, consume their flesh and such. Um, yeah, but if one of those guys comes back to life, do you really want Brendan to shoot at him? <laughs> no, that's, that, that would be great. Like all these, all these peaceful Buddhist monks come back to life. And like I even enjoy the idea of like the terracotta are actually like mummified soldiers, even though they're not. That'd be awesome, right? Like that's why I think that's the the point of what we're all trying to get to. It's like the history itself is so grandiose. There's no need for all these like superfluous embellishments. <laughs> like this peaceful monk comes down the mountain <laughs> as he is a mummy. Here we go and, again. And Brett Fraser just goes, I hate mummies. Here we go again. <laughs> I'm going to yell about that line momentarily. He says mummies way too many times in this movie. I remember that I back in 2008. Mummies. They just say the word mummy way too much. It's to remind you that you're watching a mummy movie in case you forgot. Yeah. I, I think is- I did multiple times because it's like just Wait. a complete piece of shit in many ways. This isn't a this, Yeti like, movie? Jet Li plot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this isn't Again, a... it, it, the mummy like has the little, those little, whatever the hell those guys were in Mummy Returns, the Oasis critters, yeah. the little gremlin guys. Yeah. The, the mummy is not far-fetched with its creatures, but that is that went a little far, the Yetis. Yeah, the Yetis are a lot. And here's well, the thing. There's... If you... There's the Anubis creatures in two. Sorry to yeah. interrupt. I'm yeah, but just... those are cool. <laughs> no, I, just, but, I hate but that. Adam, Anubis was yeah. Adam, yes. those Anubis, those Anubis jackals aren't like they don't live in the mountains. Like just in the they're every... not always alive, around. right? Like they got yeah. conjured from well, the underworld. These have you ever been to the Himalayas, Stuart? No. Do you know that for a fact, Stuart? That there aren't yeti up there. Listen, there are mm-hmm. some people who would 
like put a bullet in my head if I said Yeti don't exist or Sasquatch. <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking exist. one of them. Bitch. <laughs> I, know. Uh, exactly. I don't know about the Yeti. Sasquatch, though, yes, that exists. Anyway, same thing. Continue. No, wrong. Continue, uh, Stuart. I, that no. I, these are mummy movies. I think it is a little off-putting. <laughs> like Yeti start. <laughs> if this was like another movie of this ilk, and you introduce Yeti, I don't think I would have a problem with it. But it's the fact that like we're watching a mummy movie, and it's just like when you, the Yeti start coming, like, what the fuck are we even doing here, guys? It's like yeah, and they look terrible. Yeah, they're they're atrocious. It's interesting because, like, I didn't think like the the CGI for the Dragon Emperor's like rotted rotting flesh and his terracotta is good. I I thought that was pretty good. The one really good thing in this movie is I love the design of the Dragon Emperor and I love the voice he has, where he's like, it's constantly the voice is like trying to fight its way out of the terracotta and it's like kind of echoey. Yeah, I think the design elements on that guy are good. And then that's basically the extent of the design I like and in this movie. <laughs> I will say, like, the fight choreography with the Terracotta Dragon Emperor is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. He actually rips a part of his face clay off and uses it to chuck it at one of the guys. Yeah, they do. Like, everything about his design, including, like, the fight style, fighting style, is fun. Yeah. Um, it's everything surrounding it that's bad. Yeah. Jetly is also only in the movie for like five minutes. Yeah, Jetly barely. His actual that. face. Yeah, because they they didn't actually they couldn't get him in this like in this movie for that long. That's why he's only in like this the prologue and then like when he comes back to life fully. It's like the Rock in Mummy Returns, where he's literally in the opening and then there's a CGI version of him at the end. Yeah. Uh, similar energy to with Jetly. So. Yeah, this is rough. Yeah. So. Um, when we check in in the present day after the whole extensive prologue, um, Rick O'Connell. We're in Oxfordshire, England. Yes. And Rick O'Connell's fishing, but he's getting sick of not being able to catch a fish, so he pulls out his pistols and starts <laughs> into the water. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. That's he, so cool. It, it's a little cool. And he catches two fish by blowing That's their heads awesome. off. I've tried that. Never caught anything. Brendan Fraser also is, never shot a pistol. Brendan Fraser's look in this movie, we should address. Yes, he doesn't look well. He is like he—he's as like as fit as somebody with as many injuries as he's had could possibly be to an unhealthy degree. Well, the thing is, um, around the time of like post Mummy Returns, when you go through like Quiet American, Looney Tunes, Crash, etc. He's, like, kind of just settling into, like, a more natural body type. And it looks natural. It looks natural. He doesn't look, like, unhealthy. He doesn't look, like, super swole. He looks normal. And like you said, I would even argue Journey to the Center of the Earth, he doesn't even look yeah, unnatural. No, he looks normal. In he Journey. looks normal in that movie. This, he's, like, looks like he's, like, butter that's been scraped over too much bread. Yeah. Okay, Bilbo. <laughs> yeah, you caught me. Well, it looks like... <laughs> it, it. He almost looks like, like how almost, like, an MMA fighter would look like before a fight where they dehydrate yeah. themselves for like a week. They dehydrate and don't eat. Yeah. For like a few days. Like that's what he, it looks like he like lost a lot of weight really fast. Yes. Really, really fast. I also feel like his nineties McDonald's haircut is a little too emphasized here. And not McDonald's as, haircut. Not as natural as, uh, as it was that, that nineties like boy haircut, the, with the suede at the, and yeah. his haircut, 
part it's, in the part in the middle, and it yeah. goes down around the sides like an M, the McDonald's haircut. It all feels disgenuine, dis disingenuous in this. Yeah, everything about his look and just feels like a bad theme park ride. It's and like, the mummy is a theme park ride, and it's quite excellent. They they really did have to cast like the wax statue of Rick O'Connell from the yeah. wax museum. That's pretty much what yeah. Brendan Fraser looks like, and I hate to say it too. And this is the movie that we should address. That this is the movie that really physically breaks him. Yeah, like he sustained injuries because he does a lot of you know physical physical stunts and whatnot. I don't know why I said physical. Um, but this is the one where like he really messes up his back. Yeah, and like his stories from this movie are that basically after every take he has to be lowered into like essentially a bathtub of ice because uh, he's in so much pain. Put together by ice packs and gauze. Was is that his thing? Or ice ice pack, ice packs and tape is like yeah. he's like essentially like that's how his like body was like kept together. Yeah, that like so he's not only look like looking kind of strained in this movie, but he is feeling pain during every take that you watch. Yeah, which is just such a miserable thing to say um, about someone who we're cover- like who we've kind of really come attached to in this show. Yeah, is that he's just a man <laughs> in pain in every take of this movie. Um, and the movie doesn't even live up. Like, it's not worth it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he got paid well, but it's not worth it. Yeah. So, but yeah, so he he goes back to his mansion, and I I, can't, I forgot, like, oh, yeah, the O'Connells are, like, well off because yeah. of all the treasure they've plundered. Yeah, they got all the treasure in the first movie. Yeah. And so they're, uh, and then he's back at home. Then we cut to a bookstore book reading yes. with Evelyn. And the movie does this, like, it does the corny thing where it's, like, hiding her face for a while. Yeah. And you just hear, like, you know it's not Rachel Weisz's voice, but you yeah. hear Maria Bello's, like, Rachel Weisz impersonation. It's weird, though, when she lifts, when she lowers the book and it's Don Cheadle. <laughs> it's a little weird. Um, all right, Iron Man 2. And I was like, all right, that's strange. Um, I, Do you ever think about how much of a, bullet marvel dodged by getting rid of terrence howard that early oh my god imagine terrence howard at the avengers endgame red carpet talking about his math oh fuck adam taylor are you guys aware of terryology <laughs> no i don't oh, oh, my god. oh wait i am you told me about this jeff i yeah. forgot all about we this. might have terrence talked about howard, the one that goes to another country and like like shells he's the don yeah they just we talked Instead about, of getting someone who looks remotely similar, they just got someone who, they got Don Cheadle just because, yeah. Anyway, continue. They got another black guy. Let's, yeah, let's just from, say it for yes. what it is. They got another yeah. black guy. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, we talked about this in our Crash episode, which Don Cheadle's also in, funny enough. Um, Terrence Howard like has claimed to develop his own form of math, the root of which is one times one equals two. Um, and like you can find some crazy interviews with him, like, explaining like how we opened the flower of life and discover the real way of conjugations. Like, it's really entertaining. Uh, he's not well, but um, yet yeah, Marvel dodged such a bullet by getting rid of him so early. But so the, the, the mummy three does a similar, like, you know, Iron Man two ish reveal where, although this did it first before Iron Man two, where she lowers the book down after finishing reading the book, and it's not Rachel Weiss, it's Maria Bello. And yes. the the people in the books are asking all these questions, like, is it true that the mummy, that these books are based on your real life? And it's like, I can honestly say that she's a very different person. Yeah. And it, it's poking fun, and it's a yeah. different it actress. The mummy returns. 
I Will there be a third mummy movie? I do like that uh, the book covers um, because she it's, like it's classic. A, it's established that she wrote two um, adventure books called The Mummy and the Mummy Returns. Funny enough, ha ha ha. Um, I do like that they're like classic 1930s movie poster styles or like pulp novel styles. Yeah, they look like the posters to the original Mummy movie. Yeah. Um, and then she goes home and like then it's a scene with her and Fraser, and she, I, she and Rick basically have this like low energy scene about how they're getting old and it's like bro folks you're like 39 well this, I, this I doesn't think work when you're that young in the movie people you, only live to that age in 1946 in the movie universe they're like in their mid 40s though aren't they yeah they're playing older but it's like they're playing those older. scenes feel earned in kingdom of the crystal skull because harrison ford is old when he has that there's a there's a scene in that movie when he's sitting down and he's kind of reminiscing about the past, and he looks and he sees pictures of his dad and Marcus Brody on the desk because they're dead. And like he's just talking about like, it's a young man's game and all that stuff. And it it works there. It does not remotely work in this movie because Brendan and Maria Bello are like thirty eight. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I didn't think of it as like they're getting old. I read it more as like they're bored. He, I think at one point he does like quite literally say that they're old, <laughs> but it is very the much that they're thing. bored too. It's the same thing. Yeah. Is that they're out of the game. Yeah. And so, you know, they, they get contacted by like their old, um, British intelligence handler, um, who tells them that he needs them to transport a, that's a diamond of some kind. Yeah, it's a diamond that was smuggled out of China when the Japanese invaded, and the British want to return it to China as a show of goodwill. Yeah. Um, so Something the British have never done in their entire yeah, life. The British returning a plundered object. Shocking. Yeah. Um, but they, they do it. Um, we get we get uh, some Alex content. Yeah, we check Luke in Ford. At, the, at the titular tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Yeah, the grave site. Um, can you imagine this movie started off the same way as the first Mummy did with the French Foreign Legion, only instead of Rick O'Connell, it's Alex. Oh, wait. Steady! No, I want to talk about that. Because there's a scene where Rick's like reminiscing. Yeah, he goes in his closet, and he finds his old French, French Foreign Legion, Legion outfit, uniform, yeah. and he like strokes the arm, and suddenly we just start hearing the dialogue from the opening of the first Mummy movie. It's like, Steady! Yeah. I do not remember that at all. Also, what the hell this was movie I doing is coming out this? nine years <laughs> after the first Mummy. That's not that long. Yeah. What t- Taylor? Can we remember what we were talking about during this? I don't think we were talking about. Yeah, what this. were you guys talking about when you were watching the Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor? We we infor- we 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 talked a lot about China. Yes, uh, Chinese history because I think that was more interesting than the fake head. history of the movie. Well, I I don't want to jump ahead again, but I think I, I remember reading because I was a fan of these movies. That the fourth one was going to be in like Peru. The the fourth one that never happened was going to be in like the yeah Peru or Mexico or something. Was China the way to go? You go from Egypt straight to China if you're talking about mummies. I think it's a good way to go if you have Jet Li, obviously, yeah, signed on. But I don't know. I I think I was I was simply bored with what they did. Maybe they could have done it more interesting with the mythology i mean they have the they have like dragons and yetis and like all sorts of like fun stuff but that's not doesn't work in the mummy stuff i want like yeah exactly like when they did the tom cruise mummy they said it in mesopotamia and like it still didn't work Um, i don't even see that one 
Um, I did see that one. I don't remember it at all. The the thing about what, what that... were you talking about that during that one, Adam? Uh, with my dad, I watched yeah. it with my dad uh, back in Beecher, Illinois. Um, I really, I have no clue what was going on. I was probably on my computer, not, you know. At one point, Tom Cruise yells, and it's really funny. He's like, ah, <laughs> yeah, trailer. Yeah. Um, so Alex and his team of, uh, I want everybody to know something before we dive into the tomb that it's Alex, one older white guy named professor Roger Wilson. Who's an old acquaintance of Rick. Yeah. And then the rest of them are like Chinese hands for hire hands for hire. This is very important to know when we go into the tomb and who comes out. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the same with the that's the same with the first two movies. Yeah, exactly. All, all, the, all the brown guys that work with them in the first two movies get like melted or eaten and destroyed, and and it's all the white yeah. people that come out unscathed yeah. who know the yes. least about the terrain and the history. Uh, yes, uh, they're just yeah. I don't know following the tradition of movies that came out in that time period. It's a serial, and they're uh, they're staying true. I to think maybe the that craft. can work in like Mummy. One, but in Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Whale, I don't know if that <laughs> Tomb of the Dragon Whale. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I agree. I was, yeah, continue. And and so they go into the tomb, and they're finding all of these terracotta, and they're looking for the actual Dragon Emperor. This is when um, Lynn, who played by, uh, oh come on, IMDb. Isabella Leong. Isabella Leong. Um, <laughs> when she starts to make the fray, she's like an assassin following yeah. them. And they're walking through. And that's when, of course, they step on the pressure plates and then all the booby trap starts to activate. The first thing that happens is a Chinese uh, helper hand face gets melted. Yes. And then uh, like an array of arrows gets launched at them. Almost every, everybody except for the two white guys die. And then uh, Lin attacks Alex comes to a brawl thing and then they discuss they find the dragon emperor's tomb and then she runs away and they take the dragon emperor back to shanghai cut to shanghai where we see rick and uh evelyn approaching jonathan's casino which fun fact is named emotaps yes emotaps uh this was actually supposed to be in the second Mummy movie. Yeah, we talked about this in that episode. Yeah, but they had to cut it for budget reasons, so they moved it to this movie. Yeah, that Jonathan owned a club because that's where the yeah. the fight with all the um, the like the uh, cult was supposed to happen in Mummy or yeah, yeah, instead so, of in the mansion. Right. So they they go to J- Jonathan's uh, club and uh, Jonathan. That's where we get John Hanna there. Um. Well, first he meets Alex at the club. Yeah, he meets Alex. And he's like, uh, Uncle, whatever, or um, Uncle John. Uncle John, um, I'm gonna go hang out backstage with some of the ladies. Um, we're gonna dig up. We just dug up an emperor, or something like that. Right. He says something along those lines. Jonathan, Jonathan, he, John Hanna does have a, a funny joke in yeah. this one scene because he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna go uh, uh, raid this tomb," yeah. and he's like, "You know what I mean?" He's like. Jonathan, listen to me when I say that that tomb has seen far too many pharaohs. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, that was pretty good. Um, um, 
But then Jonathan turns around and Rick and Evie walk in, and yeah. he's like immediately like stressed and stammering, sweaty. Like, Where'd you come to China? <laughs> and so then Alex gets punched out of the kitchen, where we get uh, the Onion Knight, yeah, <laughs> from Game of Thrones. Uh, oh, I'm a pirate. I'm a pilot of a plane. Liam, Liam Cunningham, yeah, uh, playing Maguire, uh, Mad Dog Maguire, <laughs> Mad Dog Maguire. This was the best. Uh, Ricochet O'Connell, Mag Dog McGuire. Love that bit. All I was missing was the Predator handshake at that moment. Um, and um, essentially, Fraser, it, it's established that like Rick and Alex have like a father son issue. They don't yes. get along. And it, 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 Fraser, like he's good in this movie. He's fine in this movie, but he's just not he's able fine. to sell it. He's not old enough to sell being a bad dad. Yeah, that's the thing. And I, I do agree with that. I mean, this is a very poor story to tell at like thing is, it's like Luke Ford is a dog shit actor, but also not like he doesn't like have the face of like a young 20 year old who could sell it much like Hayden Christensen could. But also Fraser doesn't have like the old enough look to sell the old. So like nobody is properly casted mm-hmm. in this movie. Nobody yeah. is. Hence why you don't need any of the white people in this movie. This can, movie can be completely told by a Chinese family who has lived and guarded the tomb for many years until, like, you remember when... Um, o- so the British dig it up. Right. Exactly, exactly. You remember when Oded Fair, um, uh, what's the guy's name in the in the Mummy movies? The Magi? Yeah, Oded Fair. Oded Fair. Like, he... A Resident Evil fan. He he was a great addition to those movies because, like, he sort of, like, I guess, like, filled in, like, uh, an organic, like, way of, like, just world building. Yeah. Telling you the shit that was going to happen so the main characters can know. But, like... Like they're like even There's like too that's many like characters in this that's movie. the role that Lynn was kind of supposed to fill in on, but yet like it's weird because like it's like she it's her mission to stop the Dragon Emperor like it should be her story yeah, but then she's lumped into helping this white British family defeat fi- the dragon to fix their mistake it, it, it's it's it, unfortunately on. I also thought she was uh, really bad in this so you know yeah. what I'm glad she wasn't. I'm glad she wasn't the lead. Michelle Yao did all right, but another th- another thing that I have to really gripe about. So, one of the, Jeff, one of the things that you found very annoying about Mummy Returns was the kids like or like elongated British accent, Cockney accent. Oh right? yeah, that's so annoying. And the fact that Alex had been raised in Oxfordshire, Britain, for the majority of his life, had a British accent in the second movie when he's twelve, and yet when we get the young twenties. Luke Ford, Alex O'Connell, he sounds like he's from Brooklyn. <laughs> he does have a Brooklyn he li- accent. He likes he has, his dad more. He has a Northeastern, but his dad is like, I don't know. His is more like like a Colorado, Montana-like accent. Like, like Rick O'Connell is more like a Midwest guy, whereas like this dude literally sounds like he's from like Long Island. He even has like a little bit of a Long Island twang uh-huh. to him. Like a North- it's the transatlantic accent. Uh, he started off in England, moved to West or East Coast at a young age, and grew up sounding like a 1940s uh, movie star. If they had said like, I oh, do declare, when we had sent we sent Alex to like a boarding school in Massachusetts for like 12 years, then maybe I'd understand. But no, it's it's so so dumb. What if this movie instead, because this movie is essentially 
a very similar plot to Mummy Returns of Mummy comes back and an army is about to be raised and we need to stop that from happening. Uh, and there's uh, there's MacGuffins in both. I think it would have been interesting if uh, Alex dies digging up the tomb of the Dragon Emperor and and for in the 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 story of the dragon emperor is that he can grant a wish and uh to bring alex brendan, back to life brendan fraser has a monkey paw monkey's paw situation where if he brings his son back to life all other uh dead beings from that in that tomb come back as well and i i don't know something more interesting going on i, I actually an idea i actually thought of another like a, an interesting take on like uh, a third mummy movie that might be interesting because they sort of lay up with this a little bit which is the general main character because when they, the one thing when they do bring the emperor back to life and what i found interesting is there's like a false tomb that it isn't actually where the emperor is the emperor is like the driver of the carriage which i found kind of interesting but what if instead of that they think they found the dragon emperor and it's actually general ming and mm. they raise general ming back to life who's a good guy yeah right and so instead, like, the cult or the paramilitary group, they're off to try to raise... It turns into a race to try to chase this paramilitary group, stop them from raising the Dragon Emperor, whereas General Ming, who's a raised mummy, who doesn't want any involvement, he just wants to go back to the afterlife. That's all he wants to do. Mm -hmm. He's like, I, I, I have no business being back here. Like, I need to go back. But I will... If me helping you stop the Dragon Emperor from coming back helps me return to the to the underworld faster than I'll do it. And so it flips it on its head a little bit. Whereas instead of like a uh, evil mummy was raised from the dead, we have to stop it. It's that a mummy was raised from the dead accidentally and they need to find a way to put it back in the ground for the mummy's benefit. I don't know. That's at least like a take. This mummy's pissed. That's so that sounds like a Indiana Jones plot where the, they have to chase the villains from awakening the real villains and then the real villains wake up kill the the nazis or the soviets or the paramilitary groups and then the final final act happens everybody runs away a bunch right. of rocks cave in in the cave everybody dies except for our heroes exactly sort of it offers you because like there is no good way to make another villain that's all purpose is to just destroy the world yeah and so it it makes it at least the climactic point of when the paramilitary group does raise the emperor and they try to swear fealty to it. That the Emperor is just going to kill the paramilitary group, start the ritual to destroy the world, and then it turns into a climactic third act where they have to, de with the help of General Ming, destroy the Emperor. Mm -hmm. And you and it kind of goes back to what you were saying, Taylor. It, it's like that choice that General Ming has to make of like, do I sacrifice this monkey paw MacGuffin wish that I could use to return my soul back to the underworld, or do I use it to destroy the Emperor? I have one, I have one of two options. Like it at least that's at least a concept and at least like a movie. It's an idea. It's an idea. If nothing else. Yeah. I also wish that they brought Emotep back. I know all their ideas sounded pretty silly, but I think at this point, I think him and him and uh, Brendan had a nearly interesting relationship in the second one where he's come back twice now and he's kind of familiar with the modern world more and more. I don't know. Make Making him like a Cobra Commander ridiculous. type where they just keep bringing him back. And he's like, ah! or, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or he's like, 
he go he, he's in China now and he's like what the hell is this <laughs> there's a movie where they do that where like in the second or third iteration they have to bring the villain from the earlier movie back to help it's them called this time. Pirates of the Caribbean that's what it <laughs> wait wait oh Barbosa yeah, yeah. They bring Barbosa back in yeah. the second one they bring Emotep back to stop a greater evil yeah I don't know so all this business the Emperor is reawoken yeah by this evil paramilitary group which is like we actually coordinated that you two would be the one to bring the diamond here why? So that we could get you all here. And then it's like, why'd you bring the people who could stop you here? What was the benefit? Who fucking knows? It doesn't quite make sense. Um, it turns out that um, the professor who's helping Alex is a bad guy, and uh, he is killed by the emperor. Immediately. He gets his head cut off. It's kind of a cool effect with the head flying over the camera. Um, Lynn reveals she has the only weapon that can kill the emperor. Um, this like dagger. All right. Um, and so they decide they're going to go to Shangri-La. Um, because that's where the emperor is going to go. And so thank conveniently, they had just met mad dog McGuire. Um, and he's able to fly them to the Himalayas where they will find Shangri-La. Lynn knows the way there. Uh, there is a, there's around this time, uh, chasing in Shanghai that looks very expensive. Uh, but it's not that engaging. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there were some cool moments. I think that was the scene where, like, the Dragon Emperor, like, rips a, pace, pe yeah. a piece of his clay face off and uses it to chuck it at something, yeah. which I thought was pretty cool. He also does, like, a cool flip kick on a firework missile mm -hmm. to deflect it. Yeah. I don't know. Some of the stunt choreography is cool, but for the most part, it's pretty bland. Yeah. It's all boring. I thought the VFX for his undead body was cool in the terracotta. Yeah, I, that, that's the cool. That's the one cool part of this movie. Um, what else? They go to the Himalayas, um, and they trek up the mountain. This is this movie moves so fast. It does because like you you expect felt they're gonna four be, hours to me. Yeah, you feel you feel like they're gonna be in the Himalayas for a while, um, and then they just like they land. They bring a yak from the bottom of the mountain up to the top of the mountain. And they let the yak go immediately. Uh, Geraldine the yak. Um, what? Um, it was just the way that Jonas was like, "Go, Geraldine, be free." <laughs> He's like, "Be uh. free." Then it trips down the mountain. <laughs> we got to talk about something off air, Jeff. When we stop recording, yeah, they they get to Shangri La like by minute forty of this movie. Yeah, they do. And the thing is, they actually never go into Shangri La. They just and the entire scene is set in this like. Oh my god! Yeah, with a, with a green screen that shows Shangri La, but the, there and then they never walk in. But Jeff, but Jeff, that would mean they couldn't have the final battle at the Great Wall of China. Yeah, because they gotta. You, <sighs> you know, you simply gotta. It's so stupid. Oh, I, I really well, didn't fight on top of the pyramids in Mummy One and Two. It would have been cool if they had. Them. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Rick O'Connell's on one pyramid, Emotep's on the other, and they're like throwing shit. They're at jumping. Him. Yeah. Rick O'Connell has superpowers. Alrighty. So. <laughs> I've never seen you say something so defeated like that before. I, I, I looked at my notes and saw how much of this movie was left, which is what just happened there. Um, Something that really frustrates me is when Brendan like sees the mummy for the first time. He's like, here we go again. I'm like, that's the best you could come up with. It's like such a sign of the creative bankruptcy of this movie that yeah. the best line they can come up with for Rick O'Connell to say when he sees another mummy is, here we go again. 
it's just it's just very low effort yeah it's creatively and bankrupt it, it puts me to sleep quite honestly this it's makes just, me tired this is a tiring movie i watched this after, i watched this last night after a very busy weekend um what'd you do I had a bachelor party. It was oh shit! Crazy. You're getting married. You were there. Jeff's oh, getting yeah. married, you guys. You I wanted to. Go, I wanted to go to that real bad. I heard you. I heard you got an invite. Very. Sad. I did get an invite. Um, I only have enough money to travel back every so often, so I'm traveling back for the actual wedding. It would be funny if you came to the bachelor party, but not the wedding. That would be a. <laughs> yeah. That would be a good. Thing. Adam, Adam can't make the, it, but he the, is going to invite a special guest, Brendan. <laughs> Brendan's coming. <laughs> But Brendan may not be able to make it, so he's going to get Arnold Boslow to come instead. <laughs> he does Arnold... birthday parties now. <laughs> Jeff, I, I, think, I think I've told you this already. But does I Arnold should... Boslow have a cameo? Ooh. I think Arnold Boslow's dead. No, he's still going. He's still going. Jeff, I know I've told you this before, but I should say it live on the podcast. I tried to get Brendan Fraser to go to your bachelor party. Oh. <laughs> I called his publicist. What did they say? Clearly no. No, they didn't answer. <laughs> they, didn't answer. They, they didn't answer my calls. I called them three times. No, Jeff, if you got married uh, three years ago, it may have been yeah. a little easier mm-hmm. to get Brendan. Yeah, we probably could have scored him back in the day. Yeah, but now we, you know, now he's an Oscar, so he's too big. You know, yeah, he's such a literally. Nice, he's such a nice guy, and he's a yes man. I think he would have said yes. Could have convinced mm-hmm. him if we paid for his like, like flight and lodging and shit, and be like, hey, we're. We're paying for your like transportation and lodging to, party. to come to a party. Like, come on. You get free meals, free booze. Just bring yourself. What if Mummy 3 had Brendan at the whale at whale size and he comes to learn that a hero can come in any size? Should, should we he, just... Every scene. <laughs> he, he comes to appreciate himself and learns not to dog on himself for his the, weight. The final and at the bet. very end, yeah, the, the dragon emperor calls him fat, and Brendan says something about, uh, never mind. Well, I, I was going <laughs> to say, and this is me, a whale fan. I actually really like the whale. What if, like, at the very end, at the climactic fight between whale size Fraser and Jet Li, you know how the whale ends where he does that like ascending to heaven bit where he starts to float. Imagine if that's like him attaining his final form in the fight between against the he emperor. Just gets, all this armor just clasps. On. <laughs> um, <laughs> the wheelchair turns into a blood object. <laughs> uh, so they're at the fucking entrance to Shangri La. We just shut off the podcast. No, they're at the fucking entrance. To <laughs> I feel the energy's really died down. They're at the fucking. I, I'm I'm telling you, if he was the whale during this, and he makes like he still does one liners, but he like puts in like food related one liners. <laughs> no, plays... Stuff about he's stuff super... about egg rolls. He's a superhero called the whale. <laughs> the whale, we need your help. No, he he's like <laughs> punt. He like, what am I doing? Uh, they're at the entrance to Shangri La, and they're like, we're gonna shoot at the mummy when it gets here, and if not, we're gonna blow it up. And guess what? The mummy shows up and they shoot at it. It doesn't work. They blow it up. It doesn't work. Yeah. And then a bunch of yetis show up and, like, pwn um, the military guys. Uh, and then the yeti just stick along with them. Yeah, the yeti just kind of, like, hang out for a little bit. Yeah. They the, go back. The yeti have furry vengeance CGI. 
<laughs> the the so Brendan Fraser so Brendan Fraser gets stabbed in this scene. Yeah. Sorry, I don't mean Rick O'Connell. I mean Brendan Fraser gets stabbed in this scene. Ah! <laughs> uh, no, but uh, Rick O'Connell gets stabbed. It's insinuated uh, he's going to die, which I thought, thank God, let's do it. Let's kill him. Let's do it now. So they put no. him on. They put him on a stretcher, and the Yetis Listen. carry him up the mountain. Well, and I realize I'm watching a mummy movie, which is all about resurrection, and like, yeah. nobody can die. So. Yeah, they, they carry him to the spring of life, and he drinks from the water. Michelle Yeoh heals him. Michelle Yeoh heals him. It's funny that Michelle Yeoh and Brendan Fraser, this movie kind of represents a low point in both of their careers, yeah. and they both win Oscars this year. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of funny that they almost have followed a very similar trajectory. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They both, Good for them. The late 90s <laughs> is kind of their like big come, like big you know start. They kind of have a successful early 2000s. They drop off, have a low with the mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Then they basically don't do anything of note for like 10 years, and they come back in 2022 and win an award. It's funny. Uh, it is. Uh, she heals him, and they're like, the Emperor is going to come soon. I'll take the first watch, and the Emperor immediately appears. Um, and he, It shows up so quick. And they, have, they basically um, put up no resistance. He just walks into the pool. Yeah. Um, they're like, no, stop! And the emperor just walks in, and now he's immortal. And he turns into a three-headed dragon. And he grabs Lin, and he flies back to his tomb, the titular tomb of the dragon emperor. And he grabs Lin because, as we know from movie movies, we always need a damsel in distress yes. at the very end that needs to be saved. Yes. So... The mummy's nowhere to be found at this point. Or the yetis. Yeah, the yetis are gone. They, they fuck off. Yeah. Um, well, well, you know what happens. Much like Arnold Vosloo in Mummy Returns where he just sticks his hand out and the mummy Ewoks go back into the jungle, you know, Jet Li is obviously able to just look at the Yeti in a wrong way and they flee. Yeah. So There's no good body horror in this movie. Like no, there, there isn't. There's and nothing... I'm so glad you said that because that is like... The first two movies had a lot of good goop in them. Yeah, like uh, the, 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 the scarabs yeah. scenes. There Remember were always that like guy's some good... hand that got eaten yeah. by the Scorpion King chamber. That was awesome. And yeah, and like scarabs eating people from the inside out. Like there was a lot of that good like PG thirteen rated like body gore. And yeah, there was none of that in this. It's good. stupid. A guy's head gets cut off. Yeah, in like a, a fucking like one second frame. Yeah, I will say the the one Chinese hel- uh, helper whose face get, got melted, but. That was over very quick. I do like the one guy, the the uh, Chinese general who gets like crushed in between two wheels. That's pretty good. Yeah. He's like, no, and she's like, no. And they both yeah, die. but in Temple of Doom, there's like a there's like a blood streak right after. With that, they're too cowardly to even do that. Yeah, it's it's very P, it's very like PG thirteen level violence. Very PG. Yeah, oh, PG. So that's the. Yeah, there's. So sanitized. They get to the Great Wall. The, it's, it's like Marvel. Action. The the Emperor. That's the it's like Marvel style. The Emperor successfully raises his army. The Emperor does like he gets everything he wants. The last thing he needs to do is he needs to get his army out of the tomb, out of the tomb, and, and on the, walk him across the fucking Great Wall. That's all he's got to do. And once they get across the Great Wall, they're invincible. It's true. And, <laughs> it's true. Right. <laughs> so, uh. And then at this point, that's when we, that's when Michelle Yeoh raises the undead underneath the Great Wall. So it's our, it's it's mummy army against terracotta army. Yes. So it they raise General Ming. Yes. Who was Michelle Yeoh's former lover? 
and and there's a very touching scene where General Ming and Michelle Yeoh make eye contact, and it's mm. a lover's gaze. But they're not going to show them kiss because he is a disgusting, like, decrepit No, no Jeff. Corpse. No, Jeff. They don't even show them making fucking eye contact. There is no scene with General Ming and Michelle Yeoh. They do not have that in the movie whatsoever. I was making that line as a joke. Did you lose audio? I did. Okay. I, I got it. Uh, there we go. Hey, is it back? No. No? If I hold it like this, it's there. Got the subtle down, Jeff. How's that? Yeah, we're good. Good. So, yeah, there is no scene with General Ming and Michelle Yell. There's one scene at the very end, right before General Ming, Thanos is out into existence where he makes eye contact with Lin. But other than that, still, not hearing anything. No, are you? I'm hearing static. Is my volume? Oh no, I'm, I just started hearing stuff. There we go. How's that? Yeah, I hear. Good. Uh, yeah, sorry. Check, check, check. Check, good check. Can you guys check, do a check? Check, check. Well, I can hear everything. All right, great, awesome. Anyway, <sighs> it's General Ming that like one armed yeah, zombie he's, man. He's the one armed zombie guy. He's like one armed, one eyed. I wish, I wish him and Brendan Fraser had more dialogue with one another i wish they like both tried to communicate with one another and it just went on for or maybe if there's like, like 10 any, 10 like, 15 minutes, 15 of, them, minutes of language like, barrier or if there's like any like cool duel between people who actually have a vendetta against each other such as general ming and the dragon emperor yeah like imagine like that's what i mean about my pitch about the mummy with general ming coming back instead of the dragon emperor so at the very end you have a climactic battle between the two who are vengeful against you. They actually have motivation well, to the, hate each the other. The big problem here is that all of the fights are between people who don't care about each other. Exactly. The people who have valid reason to kill the Dragon Emperor are Michelle Yeoh, because he killed her lover and kidnapped it, her daughter. Isabel Leong, because he killed her because mother. He killed her mother, and because she's destined to do it with the dagger. And, and General Zhou Ming, Ming, because he killed him. Yeah. You know who kills the Dragon Emperor? Brendan Fraser and his son to re uh, to reforge their bond as father and son, because Michelle Yeoh and Jet Li do have a pretty cool sword fight scene, but it's very quick because Jet Li soon gets the upper hand and kills Michelle uh, Yeoh. Yeah, by self sacrifice, she takes in a sword so she can get the dagger, which is the only weapon to kill him. Yeah, and and there's a loving, touching scene where Michelle Yeoh is dying, and. Lynn has her in her arms. She's like, Mother, you can't go. And it's like, stab him in the heart with this dagger. And the next thing the camera cuts to is Evelyn, Maria uh, Bello, yeah. with the dagger, gives it to Brendan Fraser and says, stab him in the heart. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, are you fucking, fucking kidding, kidding me? me? Really? Yeah. This movie did not need the O'Connors. Yeah. Or the O'Connells. Why didn't they just wait? A bit and like shot him with a rocket or something. <laughs> Just shoot him with a bazooka. Yeah, what's he gonna do? He he can reform and just put him in like a, a glass container. You put him in and that people Magneto like can prison. come and look at him like a zoo. Come see the Dragon Emperor for five dollars. Yeah, exactly. They put him in that prison from GI Joe: Rise of Cobra. Stop. Or Dash. They they could have done the same thing with Emotep. He can't die forever. He can't. They can't kill him at all. But there's no, just like, gr like tie him up and put him somewhere where he can't get out. Just leave him there forever. Mummify him again. Yeah. So after that very empowered speech that Michelle Yeoh gives to Isabel Leong, where she, she's empowering her daughter to go and fight the the murderer of her parents. Yes. 
She's instead destined to join an Evelyn and fight the angry paramilitary general. Yeah, the paramilitary general and his, like, maybe lover slash second-in-command. The relationship between the, the military guy and his, like, and, like, the female commander, like... Is not in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's very strange because, like, she's always, like, really affectionate towards him, but they never explain what their relationship is. So then... I've I think those those two characters are so unbelievably boring. It's it's upsetting. Like the the paramilitary guy, because in the other mummy movies, there's always like the brawn and the brain henchmen that hang out with yeah. Emotef. It, yeah, and like there's Benny in the first one. And then there's like the, I forget his name, but that like big, big uh, like African guy that hangs out with Alex and the and the little like wormy squirrely guy that gets his like, hand eaten. Those are fun, interesting characters. Yeah. Like kind of they're cartoons, but they're fun. Yeah. These two characters don't say much. They just kind of like scowl and like I don't even know what their names and... are. Exactly. They're boring. Everything about this is just terribly boring. I think if it got like a it, it's it's a it's a first it's a first uh, script. It, like they, they didn't really add much to this when they wrote it. They really quickly uh, pumped this out because of Indiana Jones, like you guys said. If they did another run through on the script, like, something could have been fun here. But it's just it's fatal flaws. It's terribly boring. This movie is finished before the um, uh, the writer strike occurs, so we can't even blame the writer strike. Seven. <laughs> it finishes like weeks before that starts. So Brendan Fraser and Luke Ford, they fight the Emperor in the throne room. Yes. Where the and Emperor tells <laughs> <there's> like, <laughs> Where where Brendan uh, Fraser is standing next uh, to the Emperor uh, and the Emperor tells Luke Ford, Take your weapon and strike me down with it, and then a fight happens between Luke Skywalker. <laughs> why why is this all coming together like this? Uh no, but uh Brendan Fraser is like, fight like a man! And turns out he actually has to fight Jet Li, who is a master martial artist. Yes. <laughs> it's my favorite bit where it's like, fight me without your special powers. I also have kung fu, bitch. Yes. Like, come on. And so, but eventually the two do a father-son duo back and front stab and touch tips at the heart. Yes. I'm not lying. They literally like touch, and their sword is, ref the blade is reforged, and they pull it out of Jet Li, who melts and dies. There's no reason for him to have that yeah. like bombastic of a death scene other than look at this bad villain die, but whatever. Yeah, and then all the other terracotta guys die. Because it's the, it's the Phantom Menace Avengers bit, you know? Yeah, you, you, the... kill, you cut off the head of the, the main villain and the rest die. Yeah. Um, which, like, I always understand, like, like how, how else, else do you, you defeat this yeah. army if you, don't, if you don't use that thing? Right. Um... And that's basically like the core of it. Lynn and Luke get together, or Lynn and Alex get together. And Jonathan uh, says he's going to move to Peru. And then there's a text bit that says later it was found that mummies are in Peru. Yeah, it's a very weird, like, just Times New Roman script that appears across the screen. Just put in the very <laughs> last minute. Uh, oh, Jonathan um, is in the final battle in a plane shooting a machine gun. It wasn't important to note. So I didn't say it, but just... So what if it said in the final text there. crawl that Jonathan died on his way to Peru? <laughs> 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 plane went down over the Pacific. 
Yeah. Uh, he has not been. He was fouled. never found again. <laughs> Jonathan's plane took off for Peru. It never landed. It is unknown what happened to him. Mummy four. And they still don't make a fourth one. No, they, the, <laughs> it, the fourth one's dead and gone. But we end the movie on his death. Uh, <laughs> and that and that is the mummy. That's the mummy tomb of the dragon. Ever that's the end of the mummy trilogy. Trilogy, quote unquote. I mean, there's three of them. It's not, it's not really like a, a cohesive trilogy. Um, how we feeling? I would have loved to have seen Peruvian mummies, Incan mummies. That would have been awesome. They all would have been children. <laughs> Good lord! <laughs> Just a bunch of that. That's the I think the most successful visual effect or element in the entirety of Game of Thrones is when there's the 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 mummified children in oh, the the yeah. white the White Walker army. Yeah, that's like the most effective visual in that TV show. Yeah. Um, but. And that would have been good for Mummy 3 or 4. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, all the mummies in Peru were children. They found, like, fields and fields of mummified dead children. Nice. That would have been great. Yeah, I would have I would have been down. Down yeah. to clown. So this movie comes out in 2008, and it... Well, we should say, like, this movie, it doesn't bomb... No, this movie does well. Yeah. Like, it does pretty well. It, I saw it. It's on a, Yeah, Taylor was one of those people. Yeah, I saw it in theaters, I believe. It, I remember seeing it. I don't remember if I saw it in theaters or what. Yeah. I saw it at home. I definitely saw it in theater, but it's made for a budget of approximately around $145 million. Pretty sizable, but it makes sense. It, I think I could see a lot of this was probably shot, like, on location. Um. And the in the in the CGI, there's some goofy CGI, but I think like the two, the Dragon Emperor CGI looks pretty good. Um, so like, and there's there's like an expensive chase scene, so the budget makes sense, kind of. Fraser coming back too. But here's the thing: so this movie comes out July or August first, uh, two months after Indiana Jones: Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is kind of questionably received. It gets good critical reviews. Um, but it doesn't, and it makes like $850 million at the box office. It's a big success. Um, but a lot of fans are angry at it and doesn't really revive like this love of the classic adventure movie in the way that they were hoping. Hmm. So this when this movie comes out on August 1st with a budget of $145 million. The first two, the first mummy has a budget of $98 million, mm-hmm. or the, the second mummy, I should say. Can't remember how much the first had. Uh, mummy Returns made $435 million. This makes 403 with a like 50 to 60% increase in the budget. So it's a much less of a return on investment than Mummy Returns. Yeah. Though even though this does make a little bit of a profit, it's clear that this franchise is kind of losing steam is what they say. Yeah. Um until it gets absolutely slammed in reviews as a 13% average on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, got a B minus cinema score, which is really bad. Yeah. Um, Roger Ebert was one of the few people who actually liked this movie and he said it was because it was <laughs> What he, happened to Roger Ebert what he say? in like he the mid 2000s? He said, "Why now why did I like this movie? It was just plain dumb fun." He also loved Spore. He and also thought he, the effects were great. He, he also said it was loved, the best in the trilogy. He also loved Crash. Which crash? Racist one or sexual one? The sexy crash or racist crash? Racist crash. Oh, okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> so much crash. <laughs> like, what happened to Roger Ebert in the mid two thousands? Is he okay? Got jaw cancer. Yeah, uh, maybe that's what happened. <laughs> Whoa! Sorry. I Whoa! Just Taylor, Taylor. makes a screen appearance. Whoa! Yeah, Taylor's just <laughs> been this voice in my ear. But yeah, they they and and approximately like yeah, like you said, Jeff, the movie doesn't make that much money, and as. Universal probably can see the end of the tunnel that maybe this is where we put the Mummy franchise to bed. We had a good run with it. Now it's time to think of new things. There, Until nine. Wait, 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 You couldn't let me have that bit. You couldn't let me. They're tentatively. Okay, say it and I'll go back to it. I was going to say until nine years later. Yeah. When Tom Cruise gets a call. Hey, you want to be in this Mummy movie? Why? Yeah. It's gonna be a new dark universe. The dark universe, everyone's favorite universe. You ever think about how Johnny Depp and Javier Bardem got paid more money to be in that dark universe photo than you and I will ever make in our lives? Yeah. Hey, you don't know that. <laughs> how much were they offered they're, for that? They're both in that photograph to play roles that they never even like read a script for, and they probably got. I heard that they were photoshopped into that. It, that that image is so clearly photoshopped but they all took the picture like they all at least stood in front of a green screen to take that picture and agreed to be in those movies and got an upfront cost and it's just it's it's distressing and how much i don't know the exact number but i can just tell that they must have made mm. so much money i should honestly <laughs> say they they put the Mummy franchise to bed until 2014 when Dracula Untold came out, which inspired them to Dra move forward. Well, Dracula Untold was the the soft launch of the it Dark Universe. It was the soft launch of it. And no one liked it, so they made the Mummy the actual launch. And no one liked that. They said, if people like Dracula Untold, we'll retroactively make it part of the Dark Universe, but no one liked it. Right. I like how that movie ends. Dracula Untold ends with uh, him leaving the middle ages and now he's in modern era and charles dance says let the games begin and we never see him ever again <laughs> <laughs> any any movie that ends with a sequel tease that never gets a sequel is always great favorite <laughs> favorite favorite the ultimate example is skeletor in the master of the universe movie where he pops out of the the, the lava at the end and goes i'll be back <laughs> they never made another no my favorite's aragon with uh, john malkovich oh yeah john malkovich cutting open a dragon egg it's not a dragon age it's a curtain to reveal his fully grown dragon Whatever. Get your shit together, Jeff. Why does he cut open a curtain? What's the because like in the, in the entire hidden. movie when Durza talks to Galbatorix? When did you watch? This he's movie? in the throne room. Okay, in it. and every time he talks, his dragon is talking over him. So it's like every word Galbatorix says is shuddered with a growl so at the very end when we're back with Galbatorix in the throne room you reveal that that growl behind him was his fully grown dragon the entire time I watched the movie maybe 15 years ago I'm never gonna watch this movie <laughs> I remember that I watched stuff. it once when I was a little kid um the thing that's funny is Maria Bello and Luke Ford are signed on for three more mummy movies <laughs> when they make this movie um oh Universal tentatively does put a fourth mummy into development um, with the idea of Peruvian mummies. Mario Bello great. extremely gung-ho and says, it's absolutely happening. Can't wait. Um, in 2012, they finally pulled a plug on it. it never, 2012, end of the world. 
Yeah, the and the mummy. The end of the mummy, less than the world, sadly. If they tried to do like the race of disaster movies that came out right around 2012, but instead of that, it's like a Mayan mummy movie, and yeah. it's about like the it's not the end of the world. It's actually when the Mayan leader comes back yeah. to life or whatever. That would have been fun. I don't want Emmerich's Mummy Four. It's an idea. I'd watch it. The Mayan apocalypse. But now here's the thing. We talked about this a bit in our Mummy Returns episode. Mm-hmm. Brendan Fraser is having a big comeback right now. Right now. Yeah. Yes. In October of 2022, he was asked, would you return to the Mummy franchise? And he said, he's open to it. I don't know how it would work, but I'd be open to it if someone came up with the right conceit. Fraser, another time, said he doesn't know anything about a Mummy reboot, but he's open and happy and would be interested in doing it. If someone came up with a concept, mm-hmm. I would bet some money. Universal has no idea what they're they're doing with some of their monsters. They're mostly letting like um, Bloomhouse do like low budget monster movies. Your Renfields and your uh, your Invisible Men and whatnot. I heard Renfield completely bombed. Yeah, it was terrible disaster. Um, I I saw it. It wasn't like a terrible movie it wasn't good but um big bomb universal could be looking for a new hit for the money because the tom cruise one was a disaster i would not be surprised if by the end of the year they announce mummy four with brendan fraser returning i would not be surprised you heard it here do i think it's gonna happen no are we gonna see him run around and shoot things do i think it's a good idea no but i would not be surprised if it happens I believe he would run around and shoot things. That would be probably the main uh, incentive of the movie. But he's the whale. He has slimmed down tremendously since the whale. Have you noticed this? A little bit. Yeah. I, when he when he won his Oscar, he was he was standard oh. Brendan again. Yeah, he I was looking admit. like There's... normal Brendan. Have you heard about that big conspiracy? All these actors taking this like uh, diabetes medication to lose weight. No, is that in you guys are zooming in from LA? Is that what's going around town? Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, that's all what these I'm actors. That, <laughs> yes, all these actors are uh, now taking this experimental diabetes medication that costs like a million dollars. Um, that makes you not want to eat things, and they're just using that to you know lose what? weight. I read a New York Times article about this drug. Mm. This is like a real thing. That's like. Uh, that like is getting starting to get introduced into the marketplace. It's kind of crazy. Is Brendan on that? Would you take it? Uh, no. But <laughs> if you were the whale, <laughs> I would have to evaluate my options. If I was <laughs> okay. Um, what if that was just like a superhero movie called The Whale? Um, anyway. <laughs> so I wouldn't to circle back to that. If they announce a Mummy Four this year. I would like um, like $20 or something for being right. Who are you making this bet with? Uh, the ether and hoping that someone picks it I'll up. take it. Yeah? Yeah. You'll take it? Yeah, sure. I'll pay you 20 bucks, sure. Jeff, if they answer. If they if and Mummy is announced by when? When did you the say? The end of the year. If, sure. If, the, if, if they do not, I will send you $20. If, All right. If, no, if they if but if they do it next year, you owe me 
$490. No, not taking that bet. <laughs> I'm, I'm not taking, taking that bet. bet, though. And um, no matter what happens, I'm just going to give Stuart 10 bucks. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. I appreciate you. I'm putting a reminder in my notes. Was Mummy 4 announced? <laughs> Any final thoughts, gentlemen? But wait, is it sorry? Is it Mummy Four with Brendan Fraser or just Mummy Four with Brendan Fraser? If they announce okay, it without so Brendan Fraser, I don't see much point in. If they announce it without Jonathan, Brendan Jonathan, Fraser, Jonathan will do the rest. He crash landed, but his plane's on it, like a deserted island. And there's like a, <laughs> just... there's like crab mummies and crap. He meets like Davy Jones. Yeah, that'd be cool. If they announce Mummy 4 and Brendan Fraser isn't in it, I'm giving Stewart $15. Okay, is Brendan Fraser the lead in it? Because he could very well be, he like... He just has to be in the movie. Uh, I'm not, uh, Adam, I'm going to say Brendan Fraser is in the movie. He's announced as part of the, the package. Okay. Timothy Chalamet is the lead, and Brendan is the... Uh, yeah, what if they establish the that Alex um, O'Connell has Benjamin Button syndrome now, and he's de-aging? Alex O'Connell died of OD from diabetes medication, and then they have to. Brendan needs to find a new son to make <laughs> himself feel better. Kidnaps a kid after his after his divorce with his original Evie, married another woman named Evie. He just replaces everybody in his life, except for Jonathan. He always sticks around. Jonathan, I mean, what's that guy been doing recently? He's in the first episode of The Last of Us, right? That's, That's the he's... first time I've seen him in since Mummy Tomb of the Dragon. Yeah, the the Emperor. one good scene in that show. Um, I didn't watch it. It's the, it's the that's the good scene. Alrighty, uh, <laughs> Stuart's like we're not talking about the Last of Us right now. <laughs> let's let's wrap this up. Right. I've been at your apartment for eight hours now. Mm. All right, so that's a uh, workday. That's the Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Anyone have any final thoughts? Anything final you want to say? I feel like we summed it up. Uh. New dragon, new mummy, new digs, new family, new, yeah, Team Brandon. Something, 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 something. Boring, boring, boring. Bad movie. Done. All right, folks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. <laughs> Make sure to tune in next week for our episode on Inkheart. Uh, that's going to be a good one. Um, I can feel it in my bones. Um. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, whatever platform you're listening on. As a reminder, we are available on a multitude of platforms, including YouTube, uh, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. Um, find us on Reddit, r slash Travolting. Find us on Twitter or Instagram, at TravoltingPod. TravoltingPodcast at gmail.com if you want to email us. Find me on Twitter, at Jeff W. Sweeney. Anything you folks want to plug? Uh, yeah, I have a Patreon, but I, I, I don't remember the login for it, so... <laughs> <laughs> he'll guess, he'll remember it. Help me. He'll remember it next week. Yeah, or another week from now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and as always, special thanks to Rebecca Johnson for our graphic design, Michael Van Bergen Smith for our theme music, and Ange Gardner for the social media. Have a great week, folks. See you next time for Inkart. Cart.